You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. Welcome back. It is another edition of the Unofficial 40. Kerry Murdoch here in studio along with Josh McQuistian uh, back in his studio. Uh, and a lot of recruiting to get to in this episode. Uh, Bedlam coming up this weekend. Uh, you had some rumors swirling uh, last night with the firing of Mark Helfrich, the Oregon coach. Uh, possibly Lincoln Riley getting involved there. Uh, but uh, Joe Duvall is here in studio. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today, Kerry. How are you doing? Uh, I am fantastic. I'm not really worried about how you're doing. Uh, I am worried about somebody else that is here in studio today. Eddie Radosevich. Eddie, how are we doing this week? Are, are, we, are we okay? I mean, I'm here. <laughs> no, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot better. Uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a lot better mood than I was last week. You got past your wedding. I think you were. Yeah. We found out you were stressed out about this it was good. wedding that it you were going good, to. It went good, though. Everything was good. Your, your best friend? Yeah. One of your best friends? Mm-hmm. But you weren't the best man. Was his brother no, his, the best He has man? two brothers that were. Oh, well, that's how. So, okay. uh, yeah, it was fun, though. So he really is your best friend. Yeah. One of them. So, like, he's not number one, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say. Because you always have a number one best friend. Like, I have best friends. But, like, I have one. No, I mean, is everybody like this? Isn't no. every guy like this? I think. And I think if you're not like this, I think you're lying. I think millennial. Uh, I think the millennial guys, we, we have best friends. Yeah, I it's got plural. I, I couldn't pick a best man at my wedding. I had to go with like three guys. So you a, said three groomsmen? Well, I, I actually I had four. Had th- I had four groomsmen. You had three. You had three best men. Yeah, basically. You are such a millennial wuss boy. There's like a group of four of us that we <laughs> you all gave really a get participation along. trophy to three of people. The th- three of my best friends. You should have to pick one best man at a wedding. Three of the I'm best sorry. friends that anybody. Could Josh, have. what did you do at yours? I had a best man. Now, I, I will say I have pretty much the same group of friends I've had since basically my freshman year of high school. Was your and best man from Hendrick? The best friend within that group has kind of changed over the years. Really? Like it's been one guy. And so I've got two or three that at any given point have been. But I had one best man. He he was my guy, you know, that kind of thing. There was – and even, you know, and I didn't even choose my brother. You know, I mean, I, that that's always the easy way out is the brother. But – um. So yeah, you know, uh, yeah, that that's guys. I got to give it to you. That that's kind of millennial garbage. You got you got to pick a man and run. <laughs> See, I was my best friend's best man, but my other good friend he chose a best man, and it wasn't me. So that's kind of and I was fine with it. No, I mean, well, he's dead now, so I mean, 
I can't yeah. really complain about it. But, yeah. but if you don't get picked as the best man, then you can't pick that guy's the best man. Otherwise, it's like an imbalance in the but relationship. You're gonna, everybody's going to be best men. That's so like you, one of the main so reasons wait, I haven't gotten, gotten married, there I guess. there for a reason, and then you have a best man. Well, it, the best man's there to take on duties, and if you, sh- if you spread duties. those duties out, <laughs> those duties roll downhill a little bit, then other guys can handle the duties. You duties is, it too many times. Can I interrupt this program to break some news? Yes. The franchisee who created the Big Mac has passed away at the I age of 98. I saw that earlier. Yeah, that is upsetting to me. Are you guys Big Mac guys? I, I, I'm a quarter pounder double guy. If I'm, I'm a quarter pounder. I don't like the double because the double's just too much. But I, I oh, like no. a good quarter pounder. The Big Mac. No the, onions. The Big Mac's the best burger they have. Actually, you know what? This is a fat guy admission here. I haven't been to McDonald's maybe in two years. But there was a time where I would go through and get a Big Mac and a quarter pounder with cheese. Oh, and yeah. That would be don't, don't feel shame. I that, shouldn't feel shame in that? No, that's, that, that just happens. Like, screw no. the fries, the nuggets. I, no, but a quarter pounder and a Big Mac, that's a nice meal. You, I have a legitimate fat I'd, guy meal I'd from McDonald's. i get fries, too. That's way worse than that, yeah. My, the fries are only good, though, on the way home. No, you That's the Chick-fil-A thing. You don't eat the fries on the way home. You save them. I eat them. the Chick-fil-A waffle fries on the way home, too. Uh, you can throw those bad boys in the Have oven. you noticed how pissy good. they are about giving you four sauces at Chick-fil-A? Like, mm. They really don't want to give you four sauces. Because if, if you need if you sauces get two for your menu fries... Items, well, I, don't, I don't like the guy. So i got to get like two 12 pieces? I usually get an but eight then count need, and a I'd need six, sandwich. I'd need six sauces. See, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty conservative with the sauce. I don't. I'm, I can I'm use liberal. two and be fine. I don't like that they ask. Just grab a handful of sauce, homie, and throw it in the bag. But like, it, I don't... It, it just became a, a thing. Like in the last couple of years, like I always asked for four sauces, and it was never a big deal. But like recently, like I specifically say when I'm when I order at the drive-through for uh, what do I get? Chick Fil A sauce is what I get now since they changed all the things up. That's my favorite one. <laughs> and like I'll get home and I only have three sauces. I'm like you bastards. The Chick Fil A sauce is great, and if you, you do, you save them when you don't use them all, because then you don't look in my refrigerator right, right so now. So we have a matching fridge, because if you okay. keep those bad boys, then it doesn't matter. And I like to sometimes I like to get three and then test a new one. Uh, I don't like change. See, I, yeah, I don't, I don't like. But change they changed either. all their sauces, so I stay, I stay in the Polynesian and uh, honey mustard sometimes. But other than Ugh. that, I don't even honey mustard is the. I, a, sauce. I have a buddy that will go through uh, Taco Bell at late night after the bars and he will get a like a sack of fire hot sauce and do what with it use all of it on what on everything that he gets like the 35 dollars oh i thought you meant he, all he did was oh go no no no. Got sauce. no no he'll, he'll like, get is like he just drinking the sauce pretty much Ugh. he will he will pay he will pay him like tip him extra he goes through and like it used to be a weekly thing with cole he would go through and spend like 50 dollars on taco bell God, this is the weirdest conversation that we're having to start. Welcome and to the Fat Guy Podcast. It's followed. <laughs> it's followed by someone sending me. They're out ring shopping. I'm not going to say who oh, it man. is. I don't want to spoil anything. Ooh. Well, we better give him the uh, the best man talk. If yeah, right. If he's getting if he's getting hitched, I'm gonna tell him he can spread it out, and it's not a big. He deal. has brothers, and they're very close. So I think he's probably gonna have to like my brother. I was my best my brother's best man. Yeah. And I really didn't like feel like. Anyway, this is totally no. We're stopping. We can this. talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> We've choked him up. I just coughed. 
Uh, okay, no, what we want to start with is recruiting because it's going to be a nice weekend for the Sooners. And uh, I know Josh has some, well, he has some legitimate breaking news right off the bat. Yeah, you know, last night, and we it showed up early on the board uh, this morning that there were some rumors out there and even some reports uh, that Addison Gums was going to take an official to Texas A&M and that apparently there was belief around College Station that A&M might flip him. Uh, you know, for those How? who aren't familiar, Gums rivals 100 outside linebacker, the highest-ranked guy in Oklahoma's class right now, and really a, a huge land for Oklahoma and California. But talking to his dad and talking to him this morning, uh, really, I guess to start talking with his dad, I, I couldn't get a feel. His dad kind of didn't want to comment, didn't want to say too much. And then Addison just comes out with not true. I mean, like, it, it was as direct as it could be. So I, I I get the impression, you know, I talked to him a little bit more, talked about just can't wait for all this to be over. He's just kind of tired of all these rumors. This, this came up a few weeks ago as well. So I, I think this is a kid that, you know, I, I don't know that he's telling everybody no. I get the impression that maybe some around him would not so much don't want him to go to OU, just want him to look around a little bit, and that hasn't happened. And so I think you're getting these rumors that really kind of persist. But at the end, I, I think he's really locked in with Oklahoma pretty well. It's the, it's the season for the rumors. Yeah. 100%. It's, yeah, and it is because it's one of the you know Eddie like you you're our guy during the games during the season. If I hear something, I'm like Eddie, hey, check and see if you see this dude hanging around. He may or may not be there. I just don't know. And you can look this time of year. You're not there on Saturdays. You're not there at the game. You can't say hey. I mean, obviously you are, but in a And M situation, their season's over. There's no way to check this stuff. There's no way to say you know this is definitely right or wrong. So you get this stuff where it just is like these endless rumors that won't go away until something's truly finalized. I'm curious, Josh, how does I, I kind of know how the fans and we deal with that uncertainty. How does Oklahoma and the coaching staff deal with the uncertainty of Addison Gums and those rumors right now? Well, I can say, and this is something that I actually didn't know and talking to his dad, he let me know about. Uh, Bob and Mike actually were out there on Sunday for the first uh, first day of in-home visits. So Oklahoma went right in, made a point to make it clear, you know, you're a priority. We want you here. And they know, I mean, they know that there's a reason this guy is so wanted, why we've got him so highly ranked at rivals is he's one of the best outside linebackers in the country. And in Oklahoma's defense, there are a few positions that could be more important. If he can create that pressure, that's a big thing. So Oklahoma really did. I mean, it wasn't just Mike. It wasn't just Kish. They they took Bob out there, and that's really that's going to be your silver bullet almost every time. So I think Oklahoma made it clear to him, you're important. You're a part of our plan. And Gums is even more important because he's a January enrollee. So he, you know, in about a month's time, he'll be getting ready to move to Norman and report if all things stay to plan. So, uh, coming up this weekend, Bedlam, uh, you know, really last chance it should be, I mean, whether we're going to talk about that, but I I think it could kind of hang on, hang off until, you know, later in the game, but uh, it, it should be, you know, it's your one last chance to really impress guys with a full crowd, stadium, renovations, all that stuff. So, let's talk about, you know, what the expectations for this weekend are. Well, I think you've got to be pretty optimistic. I mean, Oklahoma's got a pretty wide range of guys coming in. Uh, you've got three, uh, excuse me, four commitments coming in with Grant Calcaterra, Kennedy Brooks, Levi Draper, and Marquise Hayes. 
And that scene that, that, that always gets overlooked because you know you've already got those guys on the on the books. But when those guys get to be around the other the guys who aren't committed, they get to sell the program for you. They're going to do it. They're going to be the ones that are out, you know, after the game on Saturday night, running around with the players and the current commitments and all that. So you get that nice balance. And I think that's that's where you start. But when you look at the guys that I think, you know, the question everybody wants to know, who's who might commit? I think the most likely are Noah Daniels, the defensive back offer, who they offered just this week from the Clear Creek, uh, from or excuse me, from the Houston area in Clear Creek High School. He's a guy that I think is a very likely commitment. I think he was very excited when OU offered him. Was a longtime Baylor commitment. I think he's he's a guy that has kind of emerged late, big time speed guy, and Oklahoma seems pretty intrigued by him. Uh, the other is another Houston area guy, Joshua Rogers, a defensive lineman. Has a lot of quality offers. I think there's just a question for him as if A&M is that serious about him. I think Oklahoma's always made him feel like a priority. And with A&M, I think there's a real question there for him. So I think that's going to be – those are the two guys I would say those are the most likely commitments. Marquise Brown, uh, Juco wide receiver from California, also a possibility. But those, like I said, those are the the first two that I mentioned. I think those are the most likely. Brown, I expect him to take a few more official visits, but I do think Oklahoma's in a good spot. Josh, you mentioned Brown. I think uh, the wide receiver position is going to be one of the more interesting aspects of this weekend, not only because of Brown, because Rivals 100 receiver James Robinson is also scheduled to be in town from Florida. How do you see that kind of shaking out? How the wide rec- receiver position, the numbers, and those guys coming in? I think the the thing to point out with Robinson, I think Brown uh, and just the slot position in general, that's a must. Oklahoma has to find a slot receiver, whether it's Marquise Brown or Gavin Holmes, the guy they're starting to pick up interest with from the Fort Worth area. Uh, there's something has to give there. They just don't have enough players at slot and probably don't have that difference maker Um Unless, you know, maybe they're really counting on Michael Jones to make a big step into next year. Whatever the case, I think they need another slot. Outside, I think it's a luxury. I think they're looking at that as if we can get the right guy, whether it's Robinson or Joseph Lewis from California, those guys are just elite talents. Robinson, to me, with the exception of Joseph Lewis, is the most physically gifted receiver in the 2017 class. He is a freaky guy with the things he can do. 6'3", 6'4", legitimately a sub-4'5 guy. I mean, he is everything you want, and he's what you talk about when you talk about these big SEC-style receivers that you know end up as, as first-day draft choices. So I think Oklahoma's going to have to balance that, but they're so different as players. I don't think you run into that situation where you've got to pick one or they're going to feel some, you know, uh, Maybe they're not getting the attention that they want. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think Oklahoma can balance that pretty easily. That Robinson kid is a specimen. We saw him in Atlanta. That guy is, right? We, he's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Holy cow. How much uh, radio you been doing lately, Josh? I actually, it's been pretty quiet for me. Now, I have my my weekly spots in East Texas, which are pretty popular in the <laughs> Tyler and uh, Lufkin areas. And they ask you about just OU? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, and it's always weird when I do this stuff because I think because I'm involved with the site, they assume I'm like you guys and I'm there every week, like at, at the press conferences. So, I have to word things really uniquely, like 
because I don't want to present uh, something that's untrue that I'm there. But at the same time, I don't want to present that like, yeah, I just watched this on my computer just like you guys did. I, you know, I don't know what to tell you about this. So you kind of got to walk a really interesting line. Do you know why I'm asking you how much radio you've done lately? Oh, God, I'm yelling, aren't I? <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. We'll go back into post-editing and, uh, and just bring you down just a little. Uh, but it doesn't matter though. You can bring him down. He's still. I mean, he's still, still hitting the top. Oh my! He's like a kid on Christmas. You can just feel him get you excited. You really are excited today. How dare you? I, 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 I don't know. I, I see now. I'm like, I don't. I don't really want to talk about this. Oh, I'm gonna do my Michael Jackson I, talk. This softly. Be natural. Just be just natural, Josh. You know. Uh, just yeah. yeah I, you have a really I, nice microphone. I mean, it it picks up natural speech really well. I know. I it's it's not like and it's not a conscious decision you guys know me i'm not someone that yells over people like that's not my style at all i don't know why i get so loud and i i don't think i'm particularly loud on the phone either i, I don't know why maybe you just need to pretend like your daughter is always right there in the room with you like you don't want to scare her. well right now laney is going through a small phase where I, everything pretty much has to be a yell like if i say it she's automatically gonna do the opposite <laughs> she is wildly ornery at the moment good, good luck the next uh, about 15 years i guess seriously yeah well she was her mom for the first like two years and i really had hope that life was going to be really easy but she's starting to show some of my characteristics and okay, that's, let's, let's, that's not good for anybody let's very naturally discuss uh scott remaining scholarships uh, what what OU can do in terms of you know moving guys back or moving scholarships back early enrollees that stuff where where is OU on all of that right now? Well, you know, you look at the chart and it's something we always keep on the site for those that you know don't read the site every day. We have Go a scholarship distribution chart that breaks down things by position by class, so you can always see where OU stands. Right now, Oklahoma has 72 scholarship players on the roster. They're going to graduate 10 seniors. So that automatically, you're looking at 62 scholarship players returning, you know, forgoing any possible transfers or NFL draft entries or whatever, you know, it may be. So Oklahoma automatically has 23 open spots. And so you're looking at, you know, probably more like 27, 28, maybe even 29 as far as, you know, because you are almost inevitably going to get some transfers. You're going to get some, um, like it or not, probably an NFL draft entry or two. So I think that's going to open up some spots for Oklahoma. And really, when you look at it, it's almost unanimously on the defensive side of the ball where you're seeing these last eight, nine spots kind of fill up. You know, at, at offensive tackle, you've got Adrian Ely and Chuck Filiago, which is the two that Oklahoma would like to bring in. Um, at wide receiver, I think it's a minimum of one, maybe two. They're done at running back. They're done at quarterback. They're done at tight end. So really on offense, you've got two positions still in play. On defense, you're looking at a minimum of two more defensive linemen, probably three. Uh, linebacker, at least one, maybe two. Uh, defensive back could be two or three. So, I mean, there, there are just a lot of pieces still to happen and the thing that you know people always get confused about and it came up on the board today and i think maybe it's what you were driving at carrie um the thing to remember with these early enrollees is they can count towards last year if that fits and oklahoma signed a smaller class last year so they can kind of shove those guys back and still fit within the 25 signees per class so it kind of allows you to move some things around and as long as you run under that 85 limit which oklahoma because they have 
so few scholarship players right now shouldn't be a problem. So pretty much anybody that OU wants that can enroll early, they can take. So there's not a problem where they're going to have to choose, you know, as they did a few years ago, Trevor Knight or Taylor McNamara. They get to just, if you can come in early and you're part of this class, we want you. So that that's a nice deal for Oklahoma. And like I said, because of the fact that last year was a little bit of a smaller group, they can shuffle their numbers a little bit. You are such a natural talker right now, Josh. I'm so impressed with you. Oh, it's such a conscious effort, too. Like, I'm really trying you not sound good to. Now. But. Yeah. Well, and Eddie kind of took a shot at a guy on uh, on Twitter I saw that uh, it was right after Bob announced that Quick was uh, no longer on the team. And some dude on Twitter was like, when are we going to have a discussion about Bob running off all these oh, people? Oh, yeah. But I, that guy complains about everything, though. So it's more. I've of, never noticed him before. Yeah, he, I, I was fixed to say, can we narrow the field on Eddie's Twitter wars lately? I mean, the, the man's been we'll literally—he's carrying a sword and bloodied at the moment. We'll get to. I'm running out of body bags in a bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's the thing: like they've given so many walk-on scholarships, and they're still—I mean, Eric Wren and, and Nick Basquin, and who else am I missing? Didn't they give a third one to somebody this year? Uh, Connor Knight. Connor Knight, yeah. So, I mean, they're like giving away scholarships to guys that are walk-ons, and they're still below, you know, so far below the 85 limit. But it's just like, I mean, that just, to me, that signifies how terrible the injury bug has been on this team. I mean, Daniel Brooks and Tay, I mean, Tay Evans the- is, uh, that's unbelievable. You know, the, the guy has to give up his career before he barely even gets started. That's the problem. It's been just, it's kind of been a storm after another. Like I mean, Charles it's been a Walker, really Matt awkward. Diamond, I yeah. mean, they've had guys quit during the middle of the season after <laughs> uh, playing in four games and deciding that they're ready for the NFL. I mean, it's kind of been a awkward year in that. That was brought yeah. up yeah. Monday, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think Hoover asked. Hoover asked about you know the attrition or whatever. And and Bob said we probably could have got an answer if it was anybody but. Right. Bob said, you know, we do the same thing that we've been doing from the beginning, and there's no been, been no real change. Don't but you go on with Hoover? You taking yeah, shots at him? I'm not taking shots. I'm just saying if anybody would have asked that, anybody else, Bob probably would have given a, a better answer. Because he had already made a oh, mad I don't about think so. I think he would have been defensive yeah. no matter what. I mean, you say, what's wrong with your program? Your numbers are, he's going to be defensive. Yeah. No matter who asked But he had him. already asked him about all the Texas stuff, so it's kind of yeah. like a... It well, also, isn't that an easy way to, you know, you can say, look at what we're doing with all this crap that's happening on our day. I mean, because there's a lot of stuff you can fall to you for. A lot of what's happened this year, I don't know how you prepare for that. I don't know how you say, oh, yeah, we could have foreseen this rash of injuries and a guy quitting on us. You know, one of our key pieces just quitting on us. Like, I don't know. You, you could argue this is one of their – no, I wouldn't argue it's one of their better coaching jobs. But I, you, it's it's On pretty resilient side, for the whole staff to lose Sterling Shepard and, and to be and to come back and be yeah. one of the most you know prolific offenses in OU history. Patchwork offensive line, yeah, the offensive line coming together. I mean, Bill Bedenboe and Lincoln Riley deserve a ton of credit. Now, the defensive side, no, they've been worse this year. Yeah, 
And and when when Hoover asked that question, and special teams are actually pretty damn good this year. I I thought that there more guys had just quit the team. You just kind of felt like that since it had just kind of been so consistent throughout the well, year. People remember leaving, we but, made but, a but, list of like everybody, yeah, and it, we had a hard time remembering Cody yeah. Ford being out. But most of them were injuries. I mean, really, it's I mean, Charles Walker, Matt Diamond. Um, Charles Walker. No, nah, I'm not I mean, counting the, that as an injury. No, 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 no. These guys just left. Oh, I'm yeah. saying these last three just left. Yeah, they screwed up. Yeah, Makai Quick, Quick kicked off the team, yeah. but the rest have just been injuries. I mean, the, well, the, Amani bled, so I would consider that well not, yeah, it's not true. injury that's true the PED, PED use suspension. which which gets asked every week and Bob Stoop still has no update about Omani <laughs> Bledsoe he hasn't gotten results back yet <laughs> so awesome that he got suspended for steroids his nickname's Moose too I I always just imagine the st- like the, whoever's the tester walks in the locker room and he hears some hey Moose all right we're gonna test the guy named Moose that makes that pretty easy. The guy that's big, our bear probably, we're going to test that guy. Anybody named after a large animal is going to get steroid tested. <laughs> yeah, probably don't have a nickname. Like unicorn, make that a nickname. <laughs> if you're going to do steroids, yeah. Or performance enhancing drugs. Dragonfly. Ooh, I like that one. Although that was a pretty crappy Kevin Costner movie. And a really bad vodka. Was that, or whiskey or something. Dragonfly? Like that, I don't remember that. Dragonfly was like the iced tea vodka or whiskey never heard of that before it was disgusting but i drank it for about a solid two months <laughs> <laughs> okay was that in the fiji house or something probably yeah fiji house days you do things you have to do with uh, cheap liquor can- uh but basically so this class i mean tell me josh like Early enrollees, let's talk about that real quick. I mean, for people that don't know or aren't huge scoopers that haven't followed this a lot, uh, guys that are in high school, Austin Kendall was the guy a year ago, uh, was able to come in, graduate high school early, didn't go to his prom. Uh, who are those possibilities for this class right now? Who are the definites and who are the maybes? That maybe is the best way to ask. Well, now, see, I'm always going to try to attribute this stuff to memory, and I'm going to end up butchering it a little bit. But there are, if I remember at my last count, I believe there are at least nine guys uh, that are already committed that are considering it. Let me kind of walk through the list here. Uh, Like I mentioned, Addison Gums is definitely a possibility. Um, Let me try to, I'm a, Jeremiah Hall, the uh, the kind of tight end H-back from North Carolina. He's going to be an early enrollee. Uh, Trey Sermon's a big one, the running back from uh, Georgia. He's expected early. Grant Calcaterra, the tight end from California. Uh, one of the guys that's a maybe is uh, Marcellius Sutton, the uh, Lackawanna Junior College uh, kind of running back, all-purpose guy that they're going to use, you know, kind of as a slot guy, as a return guy. Going to be used in a lot of the ways that I think people wanted to see Roy Finch used, you know, half a decade ago. I think that's what you're going to see with him. Um Justin Broyles, one of the leaders of the class. I think that's going to be really big for Oklahoma because you get in those last couple visit weekends in January. Well, who would you rather be your your mouthpiece when these kids come in than Justin Broyles? I mean, that guy's going to sell your program from word go. So I think that's big. One of the new stories is uh, Levi Draper is actually going to enroll early, the uh, Rivals 250 linebacker from the Tulsa area. Uh, he'll be on campus early now. I think that's big for Oklahoma with where their inside linebacker numbers are going to be going into the spring, you know, with the graduation of Jordan Evans. So Oklahoma needs bodies, and Draper obviously – is more than just a guy. I mean, he's a guy that could contend for early playing time next year. And the last one that I know for sure is Chris Robison from Mesquite Horn, the uh, Rivals 100 quarterback. Uh, another guy, you know, he's going to come in. He's going to redshirt. Nobody's expecting him to come in and start day one or anything like that. 
But the more time a quarterback gets in this offense, obviously the better it is, as we all saw with Austin Kendall having a really nice spring game and, um, you know, has looked good in his moments on the field uh, so far this year. Could be interesting, too, getting Robinson in, uh, especially before any coaching decisions are made. Or, I mean, if Riley were to leave, I guess he'd already be on campus at the beginning of January. And I, I guess what I'm saying is it'll be interesting to see how all that is handled. And if uh, Lincoln Riley were to leave and go to a different school, if Robinson would still get to Norman by the start of uh, the second semester come January. Yeah, that would be really interesting because I think Chris has for so long sworn off any other schools that I don't even know how that would play out. I don't know if that would be something he would even look into because he's just so tied into Oklahoma at this Mm -hmm. point. I mean, I saw him in his last game and he was talking about, you know, when he's going to move up there and what his plans were. He was already that far down the line with it. So I don't even know. If something like Riley leaving did happen, how he would push the reset button at that point? That's a, that's a tough position to try to do that with late because I mean most teams, or at least elite teams, would have their quarterback wrapped up for you know eight nine months already at that point. There's not going to be a lot of spaces for him to go. I would wonder what would happen with Riley's staff too, like offensive staff. I mean, Beanbow's already here, Kale was already here, um, Bullware was already here. Simmons came when he came. Mm-hmm. Who am I missing? That's it. A uh, Gundy. So he's obviously here. Um, but yeah, I mean that it, it would it would be really in, the whole thing would be really interesting. And, and you know there was the the rumor that came out last night. I think Football Scoop was it. Mm-hmm. Com yeah, I think so. Put it out there that they had contacted Riley or there had been some contact. Uh, George Schroeder from USA Today does a lot of stuff with us at the the Sports Animal too. You know, he was he came from Oregon. He he was in Oklahoma. He went out to Oregon. He's as connected as anybody. He kind of you know put the brakes on that stuff last night. Talking, I think like to Alan Kinney that does the SB Nation blog. Blatant homerism. Blatant homerism. Uh, and he was just kind of commenting on things, and I, I noticed. I think it was him. George kind of said, yeah, it was. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to happen yet for him. Not yeah, he was saying, like Oregon. he was kind of saying the same thing and George was like reaffirming. I it. mean, Phil Knight, uh, Phil Knight's going to go out and get a really big, you know, they're not, this is the first time they fired a coach in 40 years. This is a huge deal. And I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll uh, test the waters with Chip Kelly, see what he thinks, if he wants to come back or not and leave. NFL. And you wouldn't know if you got Chip Kelly back there, he's going to be there. I mean, he's not going back to the NFL, uh, which would be something that I'm sure Florida wishes they could have done with Steve Spurrier way back when. Yeah, they probably they probably do. I think they're fine now, though. McElwain, he seems I didn't realize they're fine he's fine now, but they went through the Ron Zook. Oh, period. yeah, they went through some really dark eras, ages, I guess, decades, really. But, uh, you know, Sonny Dykes, I guess, is the name that's come out for Baylor a little bit last night. Um, I, I still don't understand the Chad Morris thing fell apart, which was good, but I don't think that Lincoln Riley would have taken the SMU job. I don't think I so think either. he can hold out for better. I, I, I'm under the impression that, and this is just my complete guess on the situation, but I think that Lincoln realizes, I don't, I don't want to say that Lincoln realizes where he's at, but I do think that he kind of respect, he understands college football. He's not going to just take a job to be taking a job just to take a job at 33. Yeah, so I, I think that I think he has one more year in Norman. I don't know. That's just my it's, hunch. It's been weird watching coach, you know, 
coaching vacancies be, be filled through Norman before. I mean, you know, I think back to when it all started. I mean, Mike Leach, obviously, after one year, got the Texas Tech mm-hmm. job. You take that job. I mean, that was a good job for him coming from Kentucky and not – he was actually a true coordinator for the first time when he was at Oklahoma because Hal Mummy was considered the coordinator uh, when he was with him at Kentucky. And – so that was the perfect job for Mark Mangino, Kansas, made total sense. You know, career assistant, had been in that area. Chuck Long, San Diego, probably could have gotten a better job, but at the same time, I think that was what, you know, he wanted to do with it. He wanted to be a head coach. He wanted to have his own program. They paid him a lot of money, too, didn't they? Yeah. San Diego State. Paid him a lot of money to leave, too. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. San Diego's not a bad place to go, either. No, except for it costs you a whole lot to buy a house. Um, and... And the weird one was Kevin Sumlin because he goes to Houston. He was never an offensive coordinator. Parlays that into the Texas A&M job. Uh, obviously a really good coach. And then you have a guy like Kevin Wilson who sat around forever and was frustrated by it and didn't understand. You know, lost out like on Southern Miss and Iowa State to Gene Chizik. They hired him instead of Kevin Wilson. Uh, ends up at Indiana. And he would have gone somewhere lesser. He would have gone to a, a non-Power 5 conference if he would have had the opportunity. Like, he, I think even like maybe Louisiana Tech or somebody like that. I mean, he had all kinds of interviews and stuff, but nobody would hire him. And it was just like sometimes you can wait too long. That's the the ridiculously long point I'm getting at. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of guys want to hold out for a tier one job from a coordinator position. But I don't know, look at a guy like Larry Fedora, right? He left Oklahoma State and he went to Southern Miss, right? Then North Carolina. You can work your way up that way. I mean, it, just going to a non-Power 5 school doesn't automatically keep you from continuing to rise. Although... A lot of ADs just want to hire a head coach. They don't want to hire a coordinator. Right. So you can, get, you can have, say, hey, I've run a program before. You know I'm a head coach. You know I'm successful. But I, I do know, or at least I heard um, from a source when Lincoln Riley first came to Oklahoma, that he was probably thinking that this was going to be his last job before the last job. That he wanted to turn this position into another a tier one coaching position. He didn't want to go to some place like Toledo after this and have to work his way up again that way. That this was going to be the final jumping point. Whether or not he has to stay here till Bob retires or someplace like Oregon comes calling now or in a few years. That's I think that's what he would want to do. I think that's probably where his mind's at. Now, I don't know where it's at now, if it's changed, but I think that's what his mentality was coming into this job here's where it works for guys like lincoln riley it works at smaller schools that don't have the assistant coach budget like like mike leach washington state could take a chance on him because he would come in they wouldn't have to have an offensive coordinator they'd have a head coach an offensive coordinator they just have to worry about defense texas tech is kind of the same way cal's the same way with sonny dykes baylor was the same way with art Briles, even though kendall was kind of calling the plays there by the end but you know, Lincoln Riley has a lot of places he could go, a lot more places he could go if he wanted to than, say, say like Brent Venables. Because people look at Brent Venables and say he's going to have to bring what kind of offense is he going to run. Is it going to be up-tempo? Are the fans going to like it? You know with Lincoln Riley, you have an offense to start with. You have an offensive coordinator, and you really just need one guy. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think that Riley would be the type of guy that would take a head coaching job and then hire an offense coordinator, is he? No, hell no. He's a guy that he wants to be hands-on. He's going to be this just like his, Mike Leach, yeah. This is his thing. I, 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 I never really you? thought of No, I, I completely agree. If you're going to run your offense, you better be the one that's running it and knowing what to, what but, what buttons to push. Who's, who's the most successful guy to do that in college football? 
to to call his own plays, run his own offense, have his hands on everything. Would Urban Meyer would he be that guy? No, because Tom Herman was his uh, offensive Herman, coordinator. Herman's still kind of. I mean, I'd say probably Mike Leach. I think that's who Oregon should go after personally, but I know it probably will never happen. It won't just because his personality yeah. and he doesn't do booster stuff. Yeah, I don't see. You don't think he's uh, going to be kissing uh, he, Phil, he Phil Knight's Phil ass? Knight, no, he and Phil Knight. He'll write a book about how much he hates Phil Knight. <laughs> If he went to Oregon. It's so funny that Riley came from that tree because they couldn't be two different personalities. But that's his protege. That's his mentor is Mike Leach. And but Mike Leach is crazy. <laughs> yeah, no one's really like Mike Leach, I guess. You're right. Oh, I, I, you know, going back to the um uh, You'd love Virginia. to have Mike Leach as your offensive coordinator, but yeah, you don't want him as your head coach if you're a no. big-time program. I No. No way. Yeah, just ask yourself, would you want Mike Leach to be the head coach at Oklahoma? Yes, absolutely. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> It'd be awesome. <laughs> this not from like a it. media perspective, <laughs> from a fan perspective. Give. I mean, if if Oklahoma had Mike Leach as their head coach, their defense would be exactly like it is now forever. Washington no State's actually playing pretty good defense right now. They didn't against Washington. Nah, that was that was really bad. So I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know, know how, your I don't know how the Pac-12, how good the Pac-12 total is you i think you're gonna make a point about dana holgerson oh i was just saying that how fun that room would have been with holgerson riley and leach when uh, riley was talking about it last week yeah Made me started thinking yeah. about those times and i bet sitting around in lubbock i bet it was a lot of fun to to be those guys let's say late night taco bell nights or something they were or was it pizza hut and they would just watch film together yeah be a fly on that wall that'd be awesome okay uh josh anything we want to hit on on recruiting before we kind of move into bedlam here I don't, I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about the, um, the visitor list. And I think obviously, you know, we touched on it last week. Oklahoma's got a couple of big time backs coming in in 2018 and 2019 classes. They're getting a head start on some of that. And I don't think we've even scratched the surface of all the guys that are going to be there. I'm still working on that, still confirming a lot of names. So this should be a big visit weekend. And like you guys said, it's going to be interesting when you talk about guys like James Robinson from Florida, uh, um, like I mentioned, the California guys that are coming in and the potential nasty weather where these guys have never seen anything like this. So it's it's interesting talking to them. And they're like, oh, man, I'm bringing two coats or I'm bringing three. I mean, they're they're preparing for nuclear winter coming in because they just don't have anything to frame it. And some guys end up really loving it. I know Kenny Stills, that was something he talked about, really enjoying kind of the whole winter feel, uh, you know, and kind of. I guess getting the impression that's what football was supposed to be like. And then some guys are like, man, that's too cold for me. That That's just not my thing. So it'll be interesting to see how guys kind of react to, you know, what is a pretty typical Oklahoma December day. I think Kenny Stills just realized all the women go inside in the same bars. So that's where I want to go. That's where I, I need to be. Because he just didn't, Eddie, you you know, this. Like, didn't he just live like it, between like 747 and Fuzzies on yeah, the weekends? pretty much. Maybe hit Logies or Logans, whatever it was then. He lived He lived for the nightlife. He and Joe Powell and Tony Jefferson. They were awesome. It was good to, <laughs> it was good to be around in Norman. And you lived period. like on campus basically then. Like you lived right down the street. Yeah, I knew I knew I bumped into them quite a bit. Now you're too old. I know, you're way creepy. too old. That would be very creepy if I was still hanging out at seven forty seven. <laughs> Actually Saturday night or Friday night. I mean it wouldn't be too creepy if it was a Saturday game day, but 
I might have to stay around Norman. This yeah, weekend. a lot of old people do stick around. Like, not, they don't know their place, don't they? On Saturday. Well, I nights. think that it's just on game days, especially. It's like, go to Pub W or something if you're old. No, you can you can stay at seven. No, you can't. Yeah, not if you're like thirty. Yeah, you can, for sure. What are the? It's a, it's like the founding fathers going back to the fraternity house. Okay, but you had to have been at school when seven forty seven existed to go back there. Uh, Should that be a rule? Yeah, it could be, but like I mean, if you're 40, that's right in my wheelhouse. You have so. no business being there. Uh, 35 is probably the age cutoff. Because <laughs> it's a cool place for cool people. I would think so. The beautiful people. Today. I would think so. All right. Uh, okay. Here's one thing I did want to talk about recruiting. Uh, this past week, because it was really interesting. I think it was uh, Bob kind of took exce- uh, exception. Uh, and we all like Bob Persbillo, so I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. But Bob asked, you know, Bob asked Bob about, you know, if his schedule was going to not be as, as filled with recruiting because of Bedlam. And he was like, don't tell me my schedule. And Josh, I mean, you've kept track with, I mean, Bob has been, he's been nuts. He's been going everywhere. He really has. I mean, we talked about gums. He went and saw Levi Draper and Isaiah Thomas earlier this week. Calcaterra, for right? a for a game weekend, man, it's it's been a pretty impressive early run for him. Yeah, and he should see Trey Brown this weekend too. He said he was going to stop by uh, the Union North. Yeah, game. I don't even think he's going to be able to watch the entire game. Like maybe he, if I'm him and I'm a dad, I plan it out so I'm there for the second half. I just because you you want to see the end of it. I mean, what's he have to do? I don't understand. He has that. to go what? to other games. I mean, I guess, but. I don't know. I mean, what other games with commits are out there, there? I don't think there are any Friday night. Or maybe he has to go down to Dallas. I don't know. I, I didn't get that comment about, yeah, I'll be there for a period. I, here's the well, here, here's what it could be about. He kind of made it like, oh, I'll show up for a little bit. I don't think he wants to make it out because he's got so many ties to Union and kids that he's yeah. recruiting. He doesn't he, – I think he, he this week he got kind of freaked about – Make it. He must have got some comments when he talked about Norman North and how much he liked their coaching staff and what a great job they were doing. Like he might have got some blowback from I don't know Trey Brown or somebody like Coach. You know you need to quit talking those those guys up because we're gonna beat them or something. I, I don't know. I would be I would be shocked if that was the case because I know, I know after that game Patrick Fields the OU offer junior sent me a text and was like man that Charlie Car- Charlie Kolar kid's the real deal. So I don't think there's any animosity there from union towards i think bob just likes to keep this spotlight off him he wanted it to be on his kids and he just kind of was deflecting yeah at that point he just kind of wanted to be on drake I mean, and isaac let him have their moment if somebody had a problem with him supporting his kids he should pull their offer to them tomorrow <laughs> honestly well that's going to be interesting it's going to be yeah. really cool seeing everything we're still kind of working out our schedule uh second year in a row it's like i'm going to put the, i'm going to make a wall of these when i'm holding in my hand <laughs> It's the Josh McQuistian 2016-2017 OSSAA playoff pass. Two years in a row, Josh. I got two of them. Skins. Oh, I, I'm really going to try to avoid railing because I know Eddie's going to jump on with me. And no, this go is just ahead. This is, I I know mean, this is we'll, we'll smooth it over with Van Shea. It's just one of those things like, you know, you always talk about, well, this doesn't make sense for me as a reporter. This doesn't make sense for anyone. I don't understand how scheduling 
and, and I certainly get, I, I want to make it clear, a semifinal game is not the same thing as a championship game. But you have 6A1, 6A2, and 5A competing against each other for attention. Like, why would you do that? That, that would be like in the, the NFL. Do they schedule their playoff games opposite one another? Hell no. They stagger them out so as many people as possible can see them, as much attention as possible can be given to them. And I don't know why you would do this. It just doesn't make any sense financially. It doesn't make sense for the kids who want to have a big crowd in front of them. It doesn't make sense for the people that want to travel. You know, just high school football fans that love to go see games. I don't understand why you would do this. And I keep hearing, oh, the coaches prefer to play on a Friday night. You know what? That That's great. You're hurting your product. You're, you're making yourself a lesser entity and a lesser deal by doing every game at Friday night at 7 o'clock. It, it doesn't make any sense to do it this way. And they used to have a great plan. And I understand that there were some problems between the OSAA and Boone Pickens, uh, uh, not Boone Pickens himself, but the, the stadium and renting it from OSU. I get all of that. But there are other alternatives. There are ways you can do this. Texas does it. Missouri does it. Illinois does it. There's a ton of states that do these big state championship weekends. And for Oklahoma to say, okay, we're going to give a week off to 6A1 and 6A2, and then we're going to play them all at the same time anyways, why the hell would you do that? It just doesn't make any sense. Because the OSAA doesn't care about the kids. I think that's, I honestly, I, I've never thought they did. Going back to high school when they would make stupid decisions, I can remember thinking that the OSAA, just, they don't care about anybody else but themselves, and that's why I think it's a poorly run organization. What's what's really strange is <clears throat> the old way, even when I was coming up, they would be able to televise the state championship mm-hmm. games. Like you could watch, you know, Justin Fuente, you know, play for Union on television against uh, what was it, Marcus Nash, mm-hmm. uh, the kid from Edmund North, was it back then? Went to Tennessee. That sounds right that they played Edmund North, but I can't remember exactly. But, I mean, I just remember watching that stuff on TV growing up, and it was like, you could watch 6A, you could watch 5A, you could watch 4A, and now they've got Channel 9 in the mix that wants to broadcast that's, the games. That's the first year that's happened. It's the first year that's happened, but it's I think that's good that you now have local affiliates that want to broadcast your games and probably pay you for it. Yeah. well, And but, you're doing this. But... When you go back to uh, you know like last year and stuff in the playoffs, they went you couldn't watch anything but the championship games on uh, TV. You couldn't get it online. Schools couldn't even put them out online. Yeah, it's like why why are you trying to funnel all this through TV? And it's because of money. I mean, it's probably Mary Fallon's fault to be honest. <laughs> we really want to get down to <laughs> she'll the bottom be gone of it. soon apparently. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I j- I don't understand it. I've never understood the decisions that they make. And, you know, it, it, it's the small things. It's it's Norman North having to travel to Tulsa to play Tulsa Union. I, I, I don't see how they make decisions that they think are fair and uh, yeah, still down the middle. High School Stadium is pretty nice. It's really nice. It, it'd be a great place to play. But I, I don't know. It, well, even if you wanted to say, okay, we're going to have it in one of the two teams' hometown – Union or North beat them straight up. They were the district champions, not Union. So if anybody's got to travel, it's Union. Yeah. I mean, that only makes sense. But I agree with you guys. Like, I'd rather it be in the middle. That's not what you want it to be about. You want it to be as fair and equal as it can be because both teams obviously have earned the right to be there. But, you know, and Eddie, you talked about like, oh, this is 
you know, they're only thinking about themselves. There's nobody they're hurting more than themselves with this stuff because you're you're killing your ticket gates. You're, there's just nothing about it that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it just goes back. I mean, as, as a whole, the organization, I just... I remember uh, this past spring, they were playing the... Uh, and this is a very small thing, and probably I'm one of 10 people that even care about this. But they were going to have the the uh, state championships for high school golf for 18 holes one day. And I guarantee you, it's just because... They didn't want to deal with another day because there was some rain. And it, it's just small stuff like that that really kind of peeves me off. All right. Uh, that's my OSAA golf that's, high school that's rant. Like Eddie, Eddie's like six. mad but not furious because he's peeved. I've never heard Eddie just kind of half-ass it like that. I think like it, that uh, a peeve? It's because it's just a joke. It was like a Kanye West, George Bush doesn't care about black people moment. The OSSA <laughs> doesn't care about the kids. Okay, moving on. Um, you just pissed a whole bunch of people off. Hey, I, I was just saying there was like that moment. I'm not even going to... Joe has a man bun and he's a millennial and he mm-hmm. believes in multiple best friends. So <laughs> don't get are too you send, mad. Are you sending it my way? I, I was just quoting the thing. Hold on. Best, the thing. best friend two is calling me. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so Bedlam coming up. One of the, the two biggest stories, I think, are one, Jordan Evans and his health. Two, the weather. Because we both know these are two very explosive offenses. Uh, I'm looking at the forecast right now. 70% chances of precipitation. Um, 47 degrees for a high, 36 degrees for a low. I don't know exactly. I think by tomorrow we'll have some better models of hourly when this is going to start. I tried to look at it this morning. It only went to Friday. Um, But... It could have an effect on the game. Yeah, I, I definitely think it could. And, uh, you know, I which it'll team have an that, effect on Eddie for sure. Yeah, standing out in it. <laughs> it it's uh, I'm, I'm glad that I've been conditioned out in uh, Morgantown for something like this. I wish it was snow because I think that'd be a lot easier to handle than uh, just a kind of a nagging cold rain that I think that's going to be the worst. But, uh, you know, I who this who it favors if it does rain. I guess I think you could say that Oklahoma defensively would love if it just downpoured the entire game. I I think that uh, they would that would affect Mason Rudolph in the Oklahoma State because they can run it game better, yeah. and they can yeah, and they can run it better. But uh, I, I don't know. I've been back and forth. I think I'm I don't know. I, I'm starting to come around to the idea that uh, I might pick OU. I I, you know, I know last week I said there was no chance, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. You were out of sorts last week. Yeah, it. The closer we get, I, I think that I probably end up will picking OU, but um, I just I don't know. I there's nothing defensively that I I've seen out of Oklahoma that makes me think that they can just go out there and stop and shut down Mason Rudolph. Here is uh, let me before we start breaking down. Here's Jordan Evans. A little discussion I had with him about the weather this weekend. You, I mean, I don't know if you've looked at the weather. Do you guys keep track of that? I mean, no, no we don't. We don't. Like? We don't care what the weather's like. I mean, we just we just go out there and play. So if it, everybody's probably saying it's going to be wet and rainy and cold, I mean, you just you don't even think about exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, we're for <laughs> the rain's not going to hurt you. 
or, or the snow or whatever you know they expect to have so do you have worried. to protect against like you know getting it in your mind like okay well if it's going to be bad conditions we're not going to have to cover as many passes no that's that's not very smart so i try my best not to think about it because if i do that then i'll just go in there relax it is going i don't i don't ever want to do that so i never like you're hating that i'm even exactly. bringing it up right yeah now, yeah sure. you know what i'm saying uh, <laughs> yeah I, I do my best not to even think about stuff like that yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, the West Virginia game, I think they knew, oh, there might be some snow in this thing, but nobody really knew for sure. It was kind of on and off all day, so it was never really steady. So you couldn't really, you didn't really know what to prepare for. OU goes out, they drop their first three passes, and it turned into a running game. And then by the time it opened up back into a passing game, some of those guys like Jordan Evans and Jordan Parker kind of gave up some big plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were talking about the weather earlier, and Eddie's exactly right about Oklahoma's defense not being able to stop anybody, and the reason they won that West Virginia game wasn't because they stopped the, their offense, is because West Virginia outgained Oklahoma. It was because they turned the ball over in adverse conditions. They fumbled it three times, a lot of times in the red zone, about to score. And so that's something that, that when you create that variable change with the weather, it helps Oklahoma's defense. So uh, they can rely on their running game. They can rely on Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, and they can trust that Baker Mayfield will take care of it. Um, and then now their defense has an opportunity to maybe make some plays and get get some possessions that they might not have otherwise if it was a sunny, bright day. Josh, let me ask you, you, you worked on the Monday Morning Idiot after that game. From when Jordan Evans got hurt, I mean, they gave up rushing yards before he got hurt, but how bad was it after he left the game and Reuben Hunter was in there? Well, Joe said something last week, and I didn't I didn't really notice it until I was re-listening uh, or listening again to the podcast. That makes sense. And it was something along the lines of, you know, they're not going to replace Reuben Hunter unless he's out of position, which he's not going to be. And I think that's exactly right. Reuben Hunter was where he needed to be, but Reuben Hunter's not a guy that's going to play at the point of contact. I mean, he's a smaller, undersized player that, you know, let's just be honest, there's a reason he was a walk-on. I mean, he's a guy that's going to provide you good practice reps and do all the things you want him to do and give your offense a good look. But he's not a guy that's going to win one-on-one battles, whether it's coverage or beating a block. That's not the point. So you kept getting these situations, and especially against offenses that run like West Virginia, and Oklahoma State will surely do some of the same and has done some before, where you get these quarterback run options. Well, then you're really having to deal with 11 players. So Oklahoma loses the numeric advantage that you used to have. So you're going to get into these situations where – if Jordan Evans can't play or if he's not ready to go full speed, you end up with Reuben Hunter having to deal with a fullback, and then if he doesn't beat that block, then Mason Rudolph or the running back or whoever else is in space is just in space. It's not like, oh, we've got a guy to tackle that guy. You have no one to contend with him. Yeah, and we've been around Mike Stoops, and Curtis Bolton's been brought up the last two, three weeks, and each time Mike kind of gives this response of, yeah, I mean he's there. He's 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 a guy. He'll he'll be in the rotation. But you get, never get the feeling that they're looking to put in Bolton if Hunter doesn't do it right. I think Hunter just seems to be the guy that they're going to go with if Evans can't go. Well, I, we we've talked to the coaches. Uh, I'll maybe talk to Bob today uh, to get a further update. But uh, Jordan Evans has been a subject all week. Here was Bob yesterday on Monday during his press conference or maybe not 
How's Jordan Evans, and is there any question about him being able to play? Oh, um, I'm sure there'll be a question, but um, right now he rested all last week, and, uh, and he's scheduled to do some things today, and, and I'm fairly confident by the end of the week he'll be ready to play. So that was on Monday. Now, yesterday, last night, we got to talk to Mike Stoops, and he was asked the same question about uh, how he's doing. Has Jordan Evans been making progress toward getting healthy this week? Uh, yeah, he practiced uh, yesterday and today. He didn't. Uh, it was limited, uh, but he practiced both days. We want to make sure we're cautious with him. He's he's played uh, more football than anybody on our team, and uh, you know he understands the game plan and what Oklahoma State's all about. So we just got to make sure we're cautious with him and make sure we can get him, you know, get him on the field. But uh, you know he'll be he'll be ready to go. Basically, we'll let him just hang out at practice all he wants and not mess with that hammy and make sure he's good to go Saturday. I've never really gotten the feeling that Jordan Evans isn't going to play this weekend. I haven't I, either. I've, I've always kind of thought, even going back to uh, to Morgantown and kind of seeing him after the game and how he was interacting with people, it never really gave me the thought that this is a very serious Wasn't really injury. limping around a lot. No, he, I mean, he was dancing and stuff on the sidelines. So, I, I don't know. I It is something to watch, and I think that it's worth noting, but I think that he'll play did you did joe or joe or josh eddie and i were on the road listening to it in the car but did you guys catch much of the osu tcu game yeah i caught a uh, enough of it josh how much i mean osu looked really impressive i mean their defense was uh outstanding especially when you consider how well tcu's been playing yeah I, that was what stood out to me and i i probably watched a quarter and a half you know kind of as you saw OSU really just taking over that game. You thought, okay, I'll, you know, I'll come back and watch the rest of that later. Uh, that's actually the game I'm going to use to do the uh, under the hood this week. So I've actually pretty much once we end this podcast, I'll start in on that. So yeah, I, I like what I see from Oklahoma State. They, I don't think there's any team in the conference that's improved more from what I saw. You know, kind of going back to Central Michigan to going forward. I mean, they they. That looked like a seven and five team against Central Michigan, and now I mean they're they have every reason to think they can come into Norman and win. Yeah, I think a lot of people talk about that Central Michigan game like, oh, Oklahoma State should have won it, but I, I don't even care about the score. Wipe out the score. The way they played in that game was so far below the level they're playing now. That that was a mediocre team they were playing, and Oklahoma State played mediocre against them, and and they ultimately got beaten. However, you can talk about it. They don't play that way anymore. They, they, it almost reminds me of some of those teams they had maybe in like 08 uh, with Zach Robinson at the helm where they, they feel a little more complete. They might not be, you know, they might not have like a Des Bryant or an overly explosive player to, that you super have to worry about, but that's, a, that's about as complete team as Mike Gundy's put together in Stillwater the last few years. What did you guys think of, of just their offensive line, their running game, watching that game? Because I know, you know, Mason Ruoff didn't have a, a lot of people thought it was maybe one of his worst games he's had this year. I mean, Mason Rudolph to me is kind of who he is. But uh, I mean, just there. I mean, he's gonna have. He's gonna be up and down from time. I mean, he has some accuracy issues, but just their offensive line. I mean, do you see? I mean, it's against TCU. OU did run all over them too. Uh, but I mean, do you think that their offensive line is for real? That they can they can come into Norman and establish the run? No, I, I don't. Uh, and that's to me. That's where the rub is in this game, especially to me. There can be no one that's rooting more for this game to get ugly than Oklahoma. They want that weather to be nasty because Oklahoma should be able to win up front with their offensive line, and I think Oklahoma's defensive line is beat up and 
mediocre as it really is, I think they can at least fight Oklahoma to a oh, excuse me Oklahoma State to a stalemate up front. Like I think that's how you want that game to go. Now, if Mason Rudolph gets hot and James Washington and Oklahoma starts having all the same problems in the secondary, that changes things considerably. But up front, I think I don't think Oklahoma State's special on either side of the ball. Let me ask you this, Eddie, um, and you guys too, because you've watched the games at home, and sometimes you have a better view than we do. But does it seem to you guys like maybe they've been holding Gallimore and Lambkin back a little bit? Like maybe they're still dinged up some? Because, I mean, basically what I saw was a lot of Jordan Wade against West Virginia. And they, they did mix other guys in there. Romar was in there more than he had been. But it seems like as thin as they are, they still have a lot more they aren't throwing out there. It seems like with Romar, they're really holding the reins back on him. And yeah. I mean, I think that even goes back to uh, the, uh, was it Baylor before West Virginia? Yeah. Or- was well, it, he was back, remember, for Baylor. And he suited out, he suited and he out just and never played. Play, I, play I mean, I he was a lot more injured than I really thought he was, uh, apparently, going into that game. But and then, I think that's a groin with him, which is can be really bad. Yeah, it's tough to come back from. That's, that's what kept Sterling out weeks. Yeah. at the end of his career. They, I, they just, they need, you know, we talk about, I think we talked about them last week being the bullies of the Big 12 and, you know, I, I asked a couple they, of the players this week how they're going to take – they're not playing on the road this weekend. They can't be – it's not them versus the world. They can't take that mentality when you have 85,000 of your own fans behind you. But, I mean, I'm really interested to see if, if they can kind of be that bully this weekend at home because they really haven't done it a whole lot at home. And as good as Oklahoma State is and as good as they played, um, their elite talent, their top players still almost feel like – lesser versions of what Oklahoma has. I mean, would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Mason Rudolph? Would you rather have Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon or Justice Hill I, and Chris Carson? Would you rather have D.D. Westbrook or would you rather have James Washington? I, think, I, I could make the argument Mason Rudolph. I think he's really, really good. Yeah, he's really good. Right, so that one's probably your closest one. You can make an ar- argument for Rudolph. But the others... The running backs are all on OU's side. And then wide receivers probably close. And I bet OU fans would take Westbrook and OSU fans would take Washington. But I, I think that Oklahoma fans, you have to feel like you have the better talent. You're at home. I Can I take D.D. Westbrook against OU's defensive backs? Because I, mean, I like that matchup. If, if, they were, if you could do that... D.D. Westbrook would already have won the Heisman this year. (laughs) Which is still just, it's mind-blowing to me because I remember talking on this podcast at the beginning of the football season, what was going to be OU's strongest part of their defensive unit. And nine times out of ten, I was going to say they're secondary. I just don't understand what has happened this year that... uh, that Well, they tried to start Dakota Austin, and they didn't have Jordan Parker, and they didn't get... Paris Cobb was hurt in the preseason. Has, has it hurt practice. their secondary that they haven't been able to get pressure on the quarterback? Oh, absolutely. I think that's a huge part absolutely, of it. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's huge. They have Oboe, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, I look, DJ Ward's a nice player. Austin Roberts is a nice player. Their scheme with the personnel that they have, it doesn't work up front. It just doesn't. And having Will Johnson was a horrible mistake in terms of getting pressure. When you had, I mean, they needed Devontae Bond to make Eric Stryker better. Mm-hmm. Without Devontae Bond, he was just he was a guy that just ran around the tackle. Yeah, and he also had... He's a speed rush guy. That was all he was. Once Devontae Bond got in the mix, they had a, a guy that could help him stop the run more. 
that freed up uh, Eric Stryker to do some other things. They don't have they don't they have Oba Okoronkwo, who is not as good as Eric Stryker, and they don't have Devontae Bond now. Yeah. Even before then, Stryker had Geno Grissom on the outside. He had uh, Jordan Phillips pushing the pocket in the middle. He always kind of had somebody to help him out with the pass rush and Obo Onkoronko, who, as you said, isn't as skilled a pass rusher at the college level as Eric Stryker, he doesn't have the help that Stryker had. So that, that pass rush isn't what it was. But to me, the. And Charles Tapper. Yeah, the glaring, the glaring miss here that caused the whole thing, the chink in the armor, was PJ and Banasaur and Antoine Stevens both crapped out. For whatever reason, they're unusable in Mike Stoops' eyes, and that cornerback. Position I don't think it's in Mike Stoops. I think if they're playing, if they were at any other school, they yeah, would not be playing. Or, or whatever. Yeah, I, I haven't seen them. You know, I, we can't go to practice, so I don't know. But for whatever reason, they're they're not they're not working. They're not working here, and so that created that here's, gap. And here's, you jump from Dakota to Austin to true freshman. I explain both of those guys. Antoine Stevens had never backpedaled before. He got to OU. It was never a technique he had ever learned. He admitted that back in the spring. Like, where he played, they just let him run sideways and backwards. Never backpedaled in his entire life. That's a little mind And PJ and Banasaur is a safety that's not smart enough to learn the position. But both were brought in to play corner. Yeah. And both can't. Right? But everybody wanted PJ and Banasaur. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's Oklahoma's fault, but there's your, there's your cause. That's it right there. PJ and Banasaur and Antoine Stevens were guys that They've were... They've been lucky that Jordan Parker's as good as exactly. he is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 100%. I mean, Jordan Parker's Josh's guy. Is he, Called it. Has he lived Called up to it. your expectations? He has, you know, and, and I think he's better as I a true freshman than Jordan Thomas more. was. He yeah. is. What's that? He's better than he's better as a true freshman than Jordan Thomas was. I don't know that he has that same kind of upside that Thomas did, but I agree. As like he's been a better player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know. I would have expected a few more kind of interceptions, big plays, you know, kind of what you get with that freshman. Yeah, he may give up a long pass, but, hey, he's going to be aggressive and make a play here. So I thought there would be a little more give and take. But like we talked about, guys, with no pressure, I mean, you guys, you know, we can bag on the defensive backs all we want to. I don't care if it's Patrick Peterson out there covering, guys. If you're covering for seven or eight seconds, you're going to lose. I mean, that's just not a matchup you're going to win consistently. The other thing is – I think we all we all thought that Ahmad Thomas would make a a jump this year, and he is playing worse than he did as a junior. He seemed to make a jump from his sophomore to his junior he did. year. Yeah, he did. yeah, I was gonna say I thought he played pretty well last year. I thought times. it would be kind of a Gabe Lynn deal where he had that senior year where you're like, okay, he's a fringy Big Twelve kind of guy. I think that's just the most frustrating thing is that you know you you see Ahmad in the way that he plays and know that he's a team captain and then. You see when he leaves the game, and you see the plays that Will Sunderland made down in in uh, Dallas. Yeah. I think that's the biggest frustration with the with the Mike Stoops basher people that just can't stand the guy. But you know what? Stephen Parker's become a really good player. I mean, yeah, he's good. He's the, he's he's been their saving grace. Has has the secondary? I it, it's fair to say the secondary's gotten better though. Over I think the last. Four games, maybe because of Parker. I think Jordan Parker, a little bit more edge to him, I guess, in his game. That'd be the he's best just, way to put he it. He just stabilized. And Tom, yeah. Thomas seems to be getting beat less deep downfield, which also might be a byproduct of having to worry less about other guys on the field. Uh, but I, I, I think it's kind of spread across where they're not giving up as many huge plays through the air as they did early in the season. But 
I mean, I, but then now you're giving up plays on the in the ground game, and it feels like with Mike Stoops, and every year he's been at Oklahoma, maybe except for last year, it's like a leaky boat. He plugs one hole, and then another hole you start leaking. So I, I he he fixes the, the the secondary starts playing well, and now you're you're banged up up front. And you can't stop the run. I I don't, I don't know how this defense finds a way to play a full complete style and shuts down both with the personnel they have and the system they run, and how banged up I they just, are. Look, I just look at it this way. How many times has Oklahoma State come into Norman and beat Oklahoma when they were a pretty good football team? Twice. They did it when they were 8-5 and five in the worst season that Bob Stoops probably has ever had here. And not to mention did it because of probably the most bonehead decision in Bob Stoops' tenure. A horrible yes. decision by him, but he also had a terrible quarterback, a bad offensive coordinator, and... The loss before that was just OSU was a great team, and OSU and OU wasn't that good. Baker Mayfield would be by far the best quarterback for Oklahoma to lose to Oklahoma State at home. Because even in 2001, when that was a good team, I mean, Nate Hibble. No, he wasn't good. He wasn't good, and especially wasn't good that Landry night. Jones is okay. He's back up in the NFL. That's all he'll ever be. It The the book has been written. He is what he is. He, was a, he has a lot of records at Oklahoma, but if you gave me the option of – him or any other any, quarterback except Nate Hibble, probably. Yeah, I would probably take that other guy. Or Paul, Paul Thompson. Paul Thompson. Yeah. I'd take him over Paul Thompson. Now, had, if I wanted somebody to, Peterson then. If I wanted someone to lead the team prayer before the game, I'd probably take There's Landry. There's nothing wrong with prayer, Eddie. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're not going to be that evil. I'm just saying that I would probably take Landry if I was looking God. for that guy, a team chaplain. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there is. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. Eddie's evil is pouring out now. We're back. <laughs> we really are out of time. I have to... I don't think I've told you this, Josh. I have to go speak to uh, a group full of kids at the journalism school today. That's... I don't know if... I think my first message is going to be... How do you feel about that? Raise your hand if you follow me on Twitter, and then my next <laughs> message is going to be, stop that. <laughs> Ignore everything you hear me say on Twitter. Everything you read. Don't talk to me. You don't know me. I think Carson's in the class, so... Is he? Yeah. It'll be interesting. I had that class back in the day. It's, it's a lot of fun. Eddie I had it. Too. Yeah. Terry, have you like worked on a speech? Like, have you thought about how you want to go at it, or are you just going in there and ad libbing from the start? I made a little outline last night about twelve thirty before I went to bed. I've got to, I got to get out of here. I got to go shower. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to shave though. College Let kids, them know what a real care. reporter looks like. Yeah, no beat yeah. reporters going in clean shaved. Yeah, all of us are not clean shaven right now, so that seems like you're giving an accurate. I will at least shower for the kids. Where's it at? Dude. Is it in uh, Gaylord? Gaylord? Oh, is it, is it in Gaylord? Room 3,000-something. Oh, third floor. Yeah. 3160. That's the third floor. Graduate college domain. It's like back to the left, yep. I think. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I don't have a Heisman vote, but I get to talk to college kids. Are you ready when they start? Because there's a Q&A portion. Yes, there is. Are you uh, worried about... Are there any questions you're worried you might get? You feel just no, ready to handle really. anything? No, not really. Oh man, if we if we knew one of those kids like Twitter handle, I could feed them some stuff. That'd be amazing. Shut up, Josh. <laughs> about, to, about to say, I think we might. <laughs> I think we do. 
this podcast is officially over. Saboteur. <laughs> All right. I'll let you guys know how it went last goes last week. Unless OU loses, then all hell will break loose. And it might go viral on YouTube if something goes crazy. No, I mean, if OU loses, oh, that's OU. when things yeah. go crazy. Yeah. So, uh, Anybody, Eddie, you still picking OSU? I don't know yet. Probably not. But I'm picking OU. I can I tell probably, you that right now. I don't know. I might do it just to, just to do it, just to be evil. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm caught in between the middle of thinking that uh, OU will play really well, and the other side of it thinking that I just don't think that OU can stop anybody defensively. I think they can stop OSU enough. I think it comes down to, can OU force a couple turnovers? Can they get after Mason Rudolph? Can they get a strip sack? Especially if the weather's bad, I think that uh, the turnover issue is going to be very important. And, you know, outside of uh, outside of the offense and defensive things, I was going to tweet some about this this afternoon. Special teams has been really important in this game. When you yeah, go back to yeah. 2013 and the Jalen Saunders Jaylen punt return... Saunders. Uh, the fake field goal with uh, Grant Botham to Honeycutt. Yeah. Uh, 2014, of course, was uh, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And then, uh, wasn't last year, uh, the Alex Ross kick return down to the two. Yeah. Uh, that kind of changed momentum because, you know, I watched, I went back and watched the game yesterday, and OSU, it's a 10-7 game. OSU's winning with like 2.30 left in the first quarter, and then all of a sudden, it's 41-7 to at halftime. Joe Mixon has that big run. Or 41-10 to at halftime. Yeah. They scored 30 points in the second quarter. That's Jeez. a lot closer game than uh but I don't know. I I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it, it might go down to uh to just who I feel like choosing uh Friday night when I send Josh the uh, game predict. Didn't Mark Clayton also have a punt return for touchdown up in Stillwater like 03 or something? I feel like he did. Uh he might have. That who was that Mark Bradley? No, I think it was Clayton. I think Clayton. Well, Mark Bradley had the catch he had where the catch he fumbled it over the middle. And That's what it was. Yeah, tapped it to himself, and then it it freaked everybody out so much that the defense just stood there. I think it was Clayton. I think Perkins was out for some reason. Clayton fills in, and his first return, he takes it to the house, if I recall correctly. Is it twenty? Was it twenty ten? The uh, Cameron Kenny. Yes. James Hanna. Yes. Oh, that was a great game. It's tough to beat that game in Because they played in Stillwater back to back years in 2010 and 2011. The yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those were those. It the Bedlam That's series. That's the best has thing I've ever awesome. seen Landry Jones do in a game. That, that was and a the great. Next game. year was the worst thing I've ever seen him do in a game. Going back up there and they just got killed. The yeah. empty ball where he throws he, it. In. He fumbled it twice trying to throw it. Yeah. That's worse than a butt fumble. That's what Land- it was. His butt. It was OU's butt fumble. <laughs> That's what Landry brings. Do you remember that stuff about Landry more? The records first when you think of Landry Jones. Uh, oh, that definitely stuff. the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I that, that's kind of going to be his legacy, which is almost crazy when you think about the all-time Big Twelve. And I don't leader. really, I don't really place a lot of um stock in his records because he was thrown to one guy. Yeah. All his, when Ryan Broyles went down with that uh, that torn ACL against Texas A and M, that offense fell apart. Oh yeah. It was rudderless. I don't think Kenny Stills could ever fully become the number one. And it never quite, the offense never quite fully clicked with Stills no. as the number one the way it did with Broyles. I think I'm okay. going to probably pick OU. That was like a 10 minute pick. <laughs> we were giving Eddie some time to think about it. I we're, already talked into it. I think we've just hit the longest podcast ever. So we're going to say goodbye. Um, 
for Eddie Radosevich, who was very talkative this week. I appreciate you actually showing up for the show this week. It was good. Joe Duvall, we didn't even get into the Twitter fighting last night. We'll just leave it. I don't want to recognize losers. There you go. Uh, there. Josh there. McQuistian. Leave the trolls under. Thank you for uh, joining us from your home base as well. And uh, we'll be back next week. Have Bedlam. Sooners go to the Sugar Bowl. They'll play Auburn. If they go to the Alamo, it'll either be Colorado or USC. Losers will go to the Alamo. Winners to the Sugar Bowl. That's how the Big 12 works. So since nobody's going to the college football playoff. All right, that's going to do it for us on the Unofficial 40. Go check us out on iTunes. Give us a review if you don't mind. Uh, whatever you think. It's all five stars so far. So Don't tempt them. Uh, please keep it that way. If you, if you, if I believe today's show was fantastic, especially the best friend talk. So, uh, go give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play. Uh, we'll be on SoundCloud as well. So thank you so much, uh, for joining us and listening. Uh, go check out Soonerscoop.com as well. Uh, Crimson Corner is the place to be for Sooner fans. So give us a sign up, uh, check us out. Uh, you can go monthly until you figure out you have to be there all the time and join for a year so go check us out on Soonerscoop.com if you're not already a member uh, Josh is doing great work with recruiting Eddie Joe post practice updates all that stuff we'll see you next time on the unofficial 40 here at Soonerscoop.com <laughs>